Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to oh, I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in the groove together Ain't gonna worry about Stormy Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble and drunk. Here we are on. Excuse me, Dale. That was totally unprofessional. What did I do? We heard the music and it drowned out my voice. You know, this program's all about me, <laughs> it's not about the guests. You know that, Dale. It's about us. It's our last live program for the year. I think they're having repeats next week and the week after. Okay. Look, this is Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. So if nature calls, the bikey next door needs a cup of sugar, don't despair. It is podcast, 3cr.org.au. And we have a live guest. (laughs) Yes, she's just taken her pulse. (laughs) She's pink. She's not cyanotic. She's breathing regularly. She's <laughs> smiling. It's Lou Ridsdale. I am here on planet Earth. It's true. I'm fresh out of the car too from the highway from Ballarat. So oh, Ballarat. That's okay. Ballarat. It's Ballarat. That's, that's <laughs> dogs in space. <laughs> of course. Ballarat. Such a catchphrase of the Ballarat fraternity Ballarat. too. Ballarat. <laughs> Wasn't a member of your family called... Ridsdale or something? Yeah, well, we were just discussing that. My late, uh, uh, my late paternal grandmother's surname is Ridsdale. That's so freaky because it's actually a very unusual name. So we must talk about that off air and it's see if we're actually related in some weird fashion. <laughs> you never know. It's amazing. <laughs> You're related. Everyone's related, aren't we? We're all human beings. Pretty much. Well, some of us are. I don't actually put myself in that category. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> That's another story. You lost story, your though. right to call yourself human. <laughs> exactly. A while ago. There are certain people on planet Earth who have lost that right. True. And I'm part true. Of that However, blood. I'm a little bit of the unbeliever that we are all brothers and sisters. Yeah. Oh, just right on. Need a, another reformed hippie. Now, <laughs> now, Lou, let's start. We only asked two questions in the program. You know, the first one. I want to orientate listeners. What year were you born? 1972, the year of the hippie. No, no, you're the byproduct of the year of the hippie. True. See, I could be your father. True. It's quite horrendous when I think about it. Considering what I was doing in 71, 72, maybe I am your father. <laughs> but every possibility. Well, in those now, days, in those brother? days, we, you know, you go festivaling and you you drive around Australia. Mm-hmm. Spread your seat a bit, did you, Joe? No. No, a lot no, of no, 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 I don't want any knocks. remember what happened, it yeah. didn't happen. Yeah, I don't want any knocks, I don't want any knocks on the door, you know, that's what happens to people our age. Yeah. You know, people think, aha, they're dying, they may have some money, we'll knock on their door. Mm. Well, don't bother, <laughs> I haven't got any money. Now, Lou, this is all about you. What's the first thing you remember? 
Probably being in the backyard, definitely, as mm. a child. Mm. Um, probably around about the age of three or four. Um, Doing what? Probably gardening, probably actually stealing strawberries from the strawberry patch, I would imagine. It definitely involves outdoors. It mm. definitely involves Ballarat. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, probably produce because Dad was a gardener and Mum. So, yeah, probably, yeah, farnarkling around in the um, veggie patch. You, you realise you had an idyllic childhood because I'd nobody, nobody these days has gardens. You see the new houses and the this units. Is true. Kids this don't is true. actually go out no. into a garden. I was actually talking to someone the other day about mm. the fact that there's a whole generation who actually didn't, haven't grown up gardening in their 20s and 30s, and I certainly fit into that calibre because when I left Ballarat, moved to Melbourne in 1992, I think it was, I've lived in apartments for 20-plus years, then went back to Ballarat in the last five years and reclaimed the backyard concept and growing vegetables. I had a few pots on the balcony, but there actually is a whole generation of mm. us mob who are in their sort of, you know, mid-40s who kind of miss that early 20s if you lived in metro, certainly in metro... Um, metropolitan areas, you didn't garden. No. So there's a whole generation that may have lost that skill to garden and the knowledge. Oh. And if we don't continue to pass that knowledge on via the elders down, you lose all the skills. What bloody elders are you talking about? The gardening We elders. have some fantastic elders in no. Ballarat. Oh, John look, Ditchburn is an incredible oh, man. Me, Local me. knowledge for gardening. Yeah, excuse me. Look, I'm not interested. I'm just interested in you. Okay, Lou? <laughs> this is radical. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> you just, you know... I'm sure he's a wonderful human being, but we're not here about wonderful human beings. We're here yeah. about talking to you, okay? You And we're not sure what category you fall in at this early stage of the interview. All right, you're in gardening. So yep. did you go to preschool or kindergarten or anything like that? I did. I went to Midlands Kindergarten. You remember that? Yeah. I'm still friends with some of my kindergarten buddies, which you're is kidding. a bit freaky. Yeah, I actually am. Yeah, not a lot of them. I mean, you know, I've, yeah. lived, I've fluctuated and I've lived in yeah, other places other than Ballarat, as I mentioned. But yeah. um, If you're in prison, if you are not. <laughs> if I'm in prison. No, I said a few of them may be in prison. Well, more than yeah. likely. I went back to a, <laughs> a, a, I went back into a high school My reunion. My friends are rat bags. It was a tough school I went to. I went back to a yeah. high school reunion about 20, 15, 20 years ago. And I said, where's such and such? Oh, he's in Pentridge. Yeah. <laughs> where's yeah. such and such? He's in Bogger Road. And I thought, yes, that's what we thought. <laughs> But getting back, so what was life like for a little girl in Ballarat? It was actually, as you said, it was pretty idyllic. Mm. Um, you know, it was a, where I lived in Ballarat North, around the corner was an old, um, there were paddocks and, and bushland and there's now houses there, of course. Mm. But in the 70s, you kind of roamed the streets. You played on your BMX bikes, you ran up and down the street with your neighbours. Everyone knew each other very well, lived in a very close internet society, community. Um, skateboards, you, that did, sort of did thing. Did you just use the I word? You didn't mean internet, you mean interconnected, didn't you? Interconnected. Yeah, not interconnected. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah, though. No. We were close, yeah. we were close bunch, and yeah, um, we had yeah. real, became really good friends with our neighbours. We were in yeah. each other's lounge did rooms. You get, all the did time. you get the line as you left home in the morning to BMX bike? Don't go near the disused mine shaft. No, right? we used to you blame them. You never got them. back. Seriously, we actually used to build cubby huts in them. And I'm in not the kidding, it was really dangerous and it was really cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that kind of taught me to colour outside of the square pretty quickly. Yeah, okay. And we weren't berated for stuff like that. I no. think mum and dad knew what we are up to. It's just like, as long as you don't kill yourself, <laughs> go for gold. Really, literally. And it was a really unbelievably unsafe society in many ways. But my God, we got out of it unscathed yeah. and yeah. really happy. Yeah. Enjoy us for the for Are the. Your parents still alive? Well, um, actually, my dad is alive, mm. and my mum passed away six years ago today. 
today. Today, oh. yeah, from cancer. So Tell us about her. She was an amazing human being. Um, she was, funnily enough, quite instrumental. Her death was instrumental in me, I guess, um, having a new outlook of life. I've always been a positive, happy person, but I think it took the death of a really close person to make me reevaluate and see what I actually could do in life that made me a better me. Mm-hmm. Um, and Food is Free was born from that, which no doubt we'll touch upon shortly. But, yeah, so she was an avid gardener. She mm-hmm. was a very compassionate woman. She was, um, it's funny, in my eyes, pretty much faultless. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was, you know, of course, everyone's. She's um, Of course she is. Um, so she was a remarkable human being. She's probably one of my heroes. And how many... How many kids that you have to look after? She, um, there were three of us. Um, interesting story. My brother and sister were both adopted and mm-hmm. I was last in line. So I was a little bit of a miracle child. My parents tried to conceive for a long, long time and couldn't. And then all of a sudden I sort of popped out and um, after many, many tests of fertility tests and all those sort of things. And back in those days, they kind of started looking at IVF as well because that was mm-hmm. a new thing. Yes. They had a, um, so they adopted two children, um, late 60s, early 70s. And then so my brother and sister, both older, and then myself. So um, kind of grew up in that household where because we were a Catholic family, all my other relatives had like 10 kids <laughs> and just bred like rabbits, whereas mum and dad were infertile, mm. or so they thought, mm. adopted two, and then I came along. So we were a little bit of an anomaly in the family sort of mix. So I've got something like 64 cousins. There's right, a whole right. tribe of them. I don't know half of them. Yeah. <laughs> how could I? Because they were also a bit older too. That's right. um, so, yep. So how did you interact with your um, brother and sister? Um, both very, very different creatures and both um, incredible creatures. I love them very much. Um, very super close to my sister. I always have been. I think um, we have a lot in common and kind of grew up enjoying the same sort of things and... Um, even lived together for quite some time in Melbourne off and on, Um, whereas my brother's a bit different. So, yeah, I love them both equally, that they're very different and um, both remarkable human beings, actually. Mm. Is Dad, what, living by himself these days? He is, is, yeah. What what does he reckon about all this? Well, Dad has had a bit of a change of lifestyle too, I guess, in the sense that when Mum was really, really sick, um, hospice used to come around and visit. So he now dedicates all his time to, you know, volunteering at the hospice op shop so he's like a rooster in the hen house. He loves it. He loves all the attention because he's with all the women yeah, in the op shop, and he's, imagine, you know, he's imagine. he's doing the best he can yes. in what obviously is a sad circumstance of his wife passing away. Yes. They were together for fifty plus years. They wow. were childhood sweethearts. Yes. So it's big life adjustment for dad. Mm. Um, but he's making his use of his time by being charitable and doing what he does. Oh, that's great. Cool. So you've. Graduate from kindergarten and go to primary school. I assume you're the type of person who actually remembers the name of the primary school you went to. I can't remember. What's your, where did I you did. go to? I went to St. Columbus Primary St. School. St. Columbus. In Ballarat North, yes. Uh, was that a mixed or a... Mixed, yeah. Yeah, yeah Columbus. Yep. One it of those rough Catholic schools, is it? Yeah, it was kind of... <laughs> a, well, I just remember the 70s being quite that time when it came quite... You know, lots of liturgical dances on the altar and get the guitar out. It was yeah. a little bit hippified and... Yeah. My immediate family were not particularly religious. We were religious as such, but it wasn't random down well, his throat like most Catholics were. Oh, you Christmas Catholics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We were kind of just, like, mum and dad were pretty, I would say, lax, really, compared to my... What, you never made Holy Communion? 
Yeah, no, I did all of that. Oh, I did all thoughts, of that. But confirmation, the religious, yeah, communion, did all of that. But yeah. I didn't. The religious instruction was sort of. I don't know. I think my parents were sort of those sort of type of parents that allowed you the freedom to make up your own mind. So mm. I think. I mean, once they realised I was, you know, that informing and showing very little interest in um, in religion, I was not really forced to go to mass from that didn't, time. Didn't on. you colour in those pictures I used to colour in as a kid? You know, the religious pictures. At church on Sunday, did, all of did that you get crap. that with it? Did you get that with the pencil? The did all of pencil? that crap. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> no, I thought it was one of the highlight yeah. of going to church was yeah. you could colour in. Yeah, I never forget. I went. Uh, and I remember one day I walked out of church and I said to Mum, "There's one thing I don't understand about religion." Mm. And she was like, "What's that?" And I said, "I'm very confused. Why do the women sit in the front rows with their knuckles turning white? They're praying so hard and being mm. such good Catholics, and then they get out into churchyard and bitch." all about each other. Mm. I didn't understand it. Mum said to me, ah, now that's called hypocrisy and kind of explained <laughs> to me what that was. And I went, okay, cool. And she said, so they're just pretending. So just be yourself and be what be you yourself. need to be in life. Yeah. And she seems a very uh, open-minded mum. Yep. So how long did this torture last for in primary school? <laughs> the cult. <laughs> I'm happy to talk about the cult. No, I'm out of the cult. Um, look, I don't berate anyone for having a religion. Let's get that from the you know get go um however yes i was born in a cult i feel like it was a cult certainly mm. um from what's come to light in the last you know few decades of all the sexual abuse in the church and how that's deeply affected my family but you know i just think religion is a freedom of choice and um for me it just didn't apply my nature is um walking out the backyard and looking at nature uh, religion is looking mm. at nature it's mother nature to me I don't have a, you know, I'm not, wouldn't classify myself as a Buddhist or anything like that, but I guess that's really the only sort of, um, the only thing I ever gleaned from religion was do unto others as you would have done unto yourself. I think you're, you're more of an animist. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. You said it had an effect in your family, all these relevations. What was the effect? Can you talk about that? Absolutely. So about the sexual abuse? Hmm. Yeah, look, it's it's kind of a... Um, it's a roller coaster because with all the Royal Commission that's come up recently and, you know, the years of struggle for all the victims and survivors to actually be and have their voice heard, mm. I couldn't define in a sentence what it's done to our family or what it's meant to our family because it has had many twists and turns. Um, my uncle is one of Australia's worst pedophiles. He um, admitted himself to abusing um, something around a thousand children which is a horrific number mm. when you think that only i think look i keep losing count because honestly who yes. can keep up something around a tenth of that number have come forward right. that disturbs me greatly because it means there's a lot of people out there who have not been able to find the strength to come forward and admit it to themselves to their family or and or the authorities so um, what it's done to our family directly is because there's been, I don't know, last count, something about six or seven immediate cousins I have in my life who have been affected and then again who have actually admitted it. So there may be more. Who knows? Mm. I've got 64 cousins. I mean, mm. the, the percentage points towards it could be more. Mm. So it's really hard. And you live, you, I mean, I went back to Ballarat five years ago to do the tree change, go back yes. home to the nest as such. Mm. Town that I always said, this is a shithole and I'm never coming back <laughs> as yeah. a teenager, but yes. now I love it. Mm. It's a good town. It's a very vibrant town. But there's got that really dark underbelly to it because there's been intergenerational abuse. I mean, this stuff's been going on since 
you know, it could have been stopped in Mildura with right. um, the priest that was caught there um, by the policeman and it all slipped through the net because that's what happens with the McMafia. That's right. And that's what they are. Well, you know, you, you, you can't blame yourself or your family because it's basically a Catholic church. They made the decision. Yep. Just to move these people on My uncle, move them on and move them on. Exactly. My uncle, I think, was moved something around eight to ten times, probably mm. more. Again, couldn't keep track mm. because he was yeah. moved so many times. And, mm. and if that had been nipped in the bud from the get-go and they had been compassionate, reasonable human beings mm. and also and all the police stepped up because you sort of have to question how did this get go so far and how many, you know, four decades of his abuse, five decades, something like that, and and... You know, cousins of mine who have been abused for years, ongoing. Mm. It's mm. it's not one or two cases of abuse. No. There was a, a a survivor who I know really well now who was living with him in the parish mm. for six months. So and, and everybody in his bedroom. Kno- and everybody would have known. Absolutely, and it came out in the royal commission that mm. they did. So my question always is about um, how did it get so far that there were not? I've read court transcripts that detail. Um, abuse where children were so um, physically um, affected by what happened to them they had to have um, surgery surgery how who in the hospital went Mm. turned a blind eye to that that's multiple people that's police that's parents that's teachers that's nuns particularly nuns Mm. did a lot of turning the other cheek and not looking yep and actually others caught him caught him in the act. This is just my uncle too, P.S. Like mm. there's, you know, heaps of other priests out yes. there who have done yes. this as well. Mm. So for an organised religion to be that disappointing on the level of not practising what they preach and being compassionate and kind and, you know, um, looking after humans at the way that humans should be is really disgraceful, especially when they dish out morals. It seems a bit hip, hip, you know, hypocritical. Mm. And that's where my mum was like, that's hypocrisy. And I'm like, yeah. aha, this is... Yeah, so the church, look, there's some good people in the church, don't get me wrong. It's like any, you know, there's good people in the government, but you know, well, it's, they're few and far between. It's just been a constant feature of Australian life. You've got yeah. the stolen generations, you've mm. got the Aboriginal people which Torres Strait Islanders were treated. Absolutely. just goes on and on. Forced you, adoption policy. Forced Forced yes. adoption, that's right. Just One in ten white Australians are affected by the forced adoption policy. Mm. It's embarrassing to be Australian sometimes. It's shameful. Mm. It's because these were things are out, everybody knew about them, mm. but nobody mm. opened their mouths. This yep. was policy. That's right. Exa- yeah. It was policy. That's even worse. That's yeah. disgraceful. Yeah. I know, I remember my cousin said, when somebody said to him, oh, you know, it just happened at the time. That's mm. just what happened. His response it's never a good time to rape a child. No. I was raped. Yeah. And that's it. You, just, you do not excuse it mm. because it's what happened mm. at the time. Mm. And kids don't know that that's not normal. Exactly. I remember for a long time thinking that it happened to everyone mm. until having an adult conversation with a female friend. She goes, it didn't happen to me. And that's when I got angry. Mm. It's when the uh, perpetrator normalises it for the victim so that they, or, and or terrifies them to the point where they can't speak up. You know, mm. to be told things like, which my uncle did many times to people, don't tell anyone or your parents will die. Yeah. And they took that literally. Mm. Of course that child's not going to speak up. No. 
All right, let's let's move on. So you finished primary school in St. Columbus. Yep. And uh, did you escape from Ballarat then or did you go to high school? No, I went Ballarat? to high school. Had a great time in high oh. school. Had a really awesome high school. Do you remember the name of the high school? I do. I went to two separate ones because between the year of 7 and 10, mm. it, was, it was all girls and yep. it was Sacred Heart College. Yes. And whilst that was, again, pretty Captain Catholic, mm. it was pretty... Not many nuns taught me. So I was on the cusp of that whole yeah. ram it down your throat religion in the classroom. So this is what, the late 80s, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then year 11 and 12... There I weren't mean, many nuns left in those days. There weren't. There weren't, actually. They lived <laughs> yeah. in the convent next yeah, but, door and yeah. we used to throw lemons in their windows because we <laughs> hated them. They were just old biddies who were just very not nice people anyway. Um, but most of them were dying off. So we, I only had about two nuns teach me at Sacred Heart College mm. and... They were kind of cool. Like, they were kind of not as uptight as, you know, obviously. So I missed all of that because not only has all this abuse happened, but, you know, mm. in the classroom, children were terrified daily by, you know, violence yeah. and, you no, know, no, taught no. by people no, who no, didn't no, even have teaching violence. skills. No, it wasn't violence. They just used to hit us with the strap and the cane oh, and oh, whack the... you across the head. It was do, normal. Do you normal. know the worst bits of, um, from what I heard from male friends of mine who mm. went to a really full-on yeah. Catholic school at St. Patrick's College yeah. in Ballarat, yeah. about the mental abuse? Like, oh. they just got inside your head. They tell you things like, go in the corner, stand in the corner, and they go oh. and whack you for going but, stand in the corner. Like, that's yeah, mind yeah, games. Yeah, but Lulu, that wasn't, that wasn't just a Catholic thing. I went to state schools. We had the same. Same. Yeah, yeah. it was just a 60s, 60s thing. You know, it was a 60s thing. Well, you know, but yeah. you've heard stories, you yeah. know, in all early schools, of, you know, right. corporal punishment and stuff, yeah. I suppose, and I suppose we were only just coming out of the era of, of throwing children up chimneys. That's right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so true. Yeah, that's right. It's know, horrific, you, you but it's true. You walked in and you'd be the big, strong boy. Who's going to get the cuts today? And yeah. ha, ha, ha. I did something very bad. What did you do? Oh, I think I was in oh, grade five. I don't think I was very bad. We had this... It's usually the deputy head is in charge of discipline, not the principal, obviously. And he had this favourite cane of his. Beautiful cane. It was wonderful. And I had to go in for six of the, six of the best. I don't know why. And he was very nice. He'd give it to you on your hand, not your buttocks. I don't think there's any sexual thing in this. Just, just plain terror. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And on the fifth stroke, his cane broke. And he was beside himself. He was on the ground and he picked up the cane. He said, look what you've done. Look what you've done. I've had this cane for 40 I love I'm that thinking, moment. I'm thinking, I'm, thinking, I'm dead mad. What did you do? What did I you ran. do? I ran. Out. <laughs> you knew what was going to happen next. I knew what was going to happen. This, yeah. was, this, was, yeah. this was like a child. Yeah. As, if I broke, as if I killed his child. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, well, it was his power. He... You broke his power. Yeah. He didn't have power after no. you'd broken his, you know, his... Oh, um... but he, I assume he got a new one. But going back to your life, it's not my life. <laughs> But I just, when you talked about that, I remember. Yeah. So, so then St. Martin's, I was there from year 11 and 12 and just to finish the high school story. It was co ed and it there was. There were boys cool. there? Yeah, and we were mates because it was a whole bunch of people I knew anyway from the other school that we used to catch the bus together and I went to primary school with. So it was like reuniting with all your, your, your um, primary school buddies. It now was now great. Now, looking at you, Lou, I assume you excelled at sport, did you? Oh, no, <laughs> quite the very opposite. I excelled at drama and English and the humanities subjects, mm, and mm. I hated science and I hated maths personally, um, um, but really excelled at the humanities. You didn't do a language? History. French, I did French, yeah. um, very little. Very little French. French. I can't remember much of it, but mm. yes, I did. So, so I gravitated towards those sort of... So things. I assume you got a brilliant HSC school, wherever I it was. I a brilliant days. one. I 
I got a, a passable one. It got me into Swinburne Uni. Um, I was dead set keen on going into the media field, so they had a Hang fantastic on, film and TV. So how old were you left high school? So I was um, 17, 18, 18, 18. So I you saw 18. this as your key to escape Ballarat, did you, graduating? Yeah, by that stage I'd kind of had enough. Um, mm. The Ballarat scene was really cool at the time, though. I was really blessed. I was like, like drugs, sex, rock and roll? or Sex, drugs and rock and roll was fantastic sick. because we had Bridge Mallion and, and venues. We had th- spoils for choice for venues mm. and well, I hung out with all the, you know, all my friends were musicians, mm-hmm. which led me to a career, obviously, in music down the track. But we were really lucky. So whilst I was kind of fanging to get to Melbourne and the, mm. you know, big city bright lights, I really did appreciate what we did have in Ballarat. Probably not as much as what I should have, in hindsight, so, but yeah. as you get older, you always in, in, look back in, in, with any, any bands or groups or individuals that you kind of made it in the big world? That From you? those days, it was amazing. I mean, the Dead Salesman is still one of my favourite bands. There were mm. bands like the Mavises who made it on a national level, but there were so it was a really fertile ground for um, musicians in Ballarat, and there was a lot of um, Ballarat University at the time had a fantastic performance arts. Um, um, course, so a lot of people came up from Melbourne as well. So you had a mixture of all these really cool cats coming from the city to move to Ballarat. So it kind of was a celebration of art and music and theatre whenever you go down to the local pub, which mm. we all did, and we all felt really it was a tri- that was your tribe. You found your tribe. So hanging out Bridge Mallion was pivotal for me mm. to uh, ha- understand all sorts of things. Like it's the first time I encountered gay people. It was the first time I encountered you know creative people. It was the first time I um you know, felt like I was accepted and it was great to f- be in the freak show because it was awesome. It was, it was awesome. so vibrant Good. and fun. So what did you leave? Well, the city lured me and I just was really keen to go to Metro and, you know, there's only certain things you can do in Ballarat as a teenager until you start thinking this place is a shithole. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's... Uh, it's only an hour down the highway too, so you never sort of felt too disconnected from it. You could always come home and hang out and mm, do things here mm, too. So, yeah, so and I kind of yeah, what, Swinburne. What did I went you to Swinburne. What did you do? Well, it, long no, story short, no, just a course. I don't want to hear. I dropped out. I bombed out. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I actually you bombed, bombed out, out after. Sw- nobody I bombs did. out of Swinburne in the nineties. No, can you? If you turned up, you would have been passed. Well, this is the point. I didn't turn up, Cho, <laughs> and they actually tapped me on the shoulder around <laughs> mid-year and said. Listen, honey, you're not turning up to class. You're re- we're going to fail you. So how about you just opt out now, so mm. that you know someone else can take your place mid-semester? And I said that's really good. And yes, I feel shit because I haven't been coming here. <laughs> but the problem was that I really wanted to do film and television, and I mm. didn't have a folio, so I had to park my bum for a year at Swinburne and do yeah. humanities. By that stage, I was just living La Vida Loca in Melbourne, mm. as if I was going to go to uni. Mm. As if. Yes. You were doing La, Vol- La Dolce Vita. I absolutely was. Yes. And everything was like what Ballarat was, but 20 times Times more exciting. So I was just, you know, going out seeing bands. In Melbourne. Melbourne, Oh, that was back in the day when you'd, you know, um, Great Britain in Richmond, um, even just driving past before, um, MCG in um, Hotel in opposite the MCG used to have great bands playing there. Um, so, you know, bands like Spiderbait when they were, you know, just starting and, and Gutter Snipes and gosh, so many bands from that era, Snark. Um, mm-hmm. But I was a really big fan of Powder Monkeys and that sort of whole scene. So there was a whole scene of, of venues that you'd just, you know, do the circuit of, you know, the SB Prince of Wales, obviously, Piano mm-hmm. Bar was amazing. Mm-hmm. 
the Great Britain. Um, there was a bunch of them that were really cool mm. and happening at the time. So you're you're a music devotee, not a groupie. Absolutely. Good. Oh yeah, absolutely. Good grief, yes. Good. <laughs> I just loved music. It was something that really touched me and just something that so turned you, me on. Did you get to film school? No, <laughs> but I bypassed uni and did all of that stuff and ended yeah. up working in film anyway, doing TV what? and doing, radio. Doing so what? doing what? Oh, various things. Um, film, I worked at a film distribution company here in, around the corner actually, in Collingwood. What, what um, does that mean? About 10 years ago, which is Madman Entertainment. So are they still around? They are. Yeah. They get bigger and better. They are, yeah. They started yeah. out as a little indie cr- crew when yeah. I was part of that little indie crew yeah, and then right. they expanded and yeah. great mob. I hope you got I shares in it. No, I wish I did. <laughs> in hindsight, I'm is not a very commercially minded person, but my God, I wish everywhere. I had it. Madman I know they are. Yeah, yeah, they do really um, credible films and I loved their um, mm. catalogue. So that was a great place to work. I worked at Triple R for a couple of years. Triple R. Yep. Uh, 3 Triple R, I was there in late 90s, early 2000s, Do and I worked in sponsorship. Sponsorship. So, yep. The on air carts, I wrote the scripts, talked to the clients, booked them in, worked with all the venues. So you're responsible for Triple R surviving. Pretty much. <laughs> You've got a lot to answer for, you know. <laughs> I do. I do. It was you, was it? Triple R to me is still family. Whenever I go in there, I love mm. that, that crew. What, and dysfunctional I, family? Or fun- very dysfunctional. Right. Oh, my God. Talk about dysfunctional. I mean, you work in, you, you know what it's like in community radio. No, I don't. No, I just Actually, walk in. You just walk in and clock in, clock out. That's, yeah. that's me. That's yeah. all I do. Uh, all community groups are dysfunctional. I've always worked for independent um, mm-hmm. record labels. I worked at Shock Records. Talk about dysfunctional. Fantastic. Tell us about Shock Record. If it's dysfunctional. Oh, you just rock up every morning. <laughs> I worked in the in, in, um, exports department. And right. every morning you'd walk in and hit the warehouses, the you know warehouse kids, and they were kids, <laughs> skater boys, and kind of you know little kind of punk kids, and yeah. they'd be you know putting all the CDs in the boxes, and you'd walk upstairs and sell all the CDs to export, you know, off to other countries. So shock was hilarious. That was a great place to work, and full of just misfits, yeah, amazing yeah. people, yeah. and you know it's I think any organisation, it's the people that work there that make it. So Triple R and, and um, Shock and, you know, I worked at Channel 31 yep, for right. a year and a bit. What were they like? They were great. Full-on dysfunctional. Yeah, full-on. Awesomely <laughs> dysfunctional. And in actual fact, that's kind of really was one of the places that really introduced me to a whole bunch of people I'd never properly sort of integrated with and worked with and, and like hung out with. Like so Bent TV was awesome because there was mm. a lot of you know, transgender yep. people that yep. I'd never, you know, in my day-to-day life, I hadn't really encountered people like that. That was phenomenal for me. Um, and we go out drinking after work, so mm-hmm. you just hang out and work together and then play together too, yep. which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, there was Scar TV, which yep, was all the yep, activists, yep. you know, that mob, great mm-hmm. bunch of people. There was a really cool Koori unit, which was amazing, and I um, ended up hanging out a lot with Ronnie Thorpe, who's no longer with us, but mm-hmm. he was one of the chief camera people, yep. and he and I used to travel everywhere and do films stuff together. He was great. He was always also a drinking buddy, so yeah. he tragically passed away. Um, so that, you know, as a sort of mid-20s, heading towards my 30s, was it a great time to meet mm. a whole bunch of people that I probably, if I had stayed in white bread Ballarat, <laughs> there's no way I probably would have been. Now, now Lou, as an upstanding citizen, I've got to ask you this question. I feel embarrassed, but... Um and when you went for these jobs and the interviews, did you show them all the degrees you had from <laughs> university, from film school? Funnily enough, I didn't have one. So didn't I, went, I just always said I went to the school of life. This is that what I it. know. Yeah. Yep. And for me personally, like university is important for certain things, but if, you know, 
looking back, if I'd have spoken to myself as a, you know, a 12 year old, you know, say 15 year old, I'd be like, don't, you don't need any. Everything I've done in life, I've learned from disasters, mistakes, mm. putting yourself in the deep end and going right. to swim. And right. I always have. I'm a publicist now and the reason why I'm a publicist is the first day I went to Channel 31, the, their publicist resigned. Mm-hmm. They chucked me a manila folder and said, you're now the publicist. And oh, I said, cool. I don't even know what that, what do they do? And they said, you work it out because they didn't know and I did. <laughs> and I Good. then I fell in love with publicity. So everything I've done, I've learned myself or hmm. you just throw yourself in the mix and so sort yeah, of stuff out. One of these strange people who's done well in life but doesn't got a degree. Exactly. Look, this is uh, Radical Australia on Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. We are interviewing the incredible, talented, non-degreed <laughs> Lou Ridsdale. And Dale, the Empress Dowager herself, is providing all the technical assistance and occasionally bursts in on us. <laughs> now, Lou, how long this fairy tale continue? Fairy tale never ends, does it? What fairy well, it tale are you Fa- referring to? Well, fairies <laughs> die. Life, you know? life is a fairy tale, isn't it? Well, not really. You make it up as you go along. Really? So, I think so. so. You went film. So what happened at Channel 31? They just give you a mark. Did they do a Red Simons on you like the no. ABC has just done? I do moved that. on from them. You moved on from them? Yeah, because there, well, well, there was an opening at Triple R and I loved that community radio station. I, I've not been the type of person to stick around for too long you know you you do what you've sort of aspired to do and you achieve what you want to do and i'm not talking kpis promiscuous you're you're a promiscuous employee you know you just you you suck the life you suck the life out of the organization and then you just move on i'd say that i just like variety I just like, like to, yeah. Life's uh-huh. short, don't you think? You just got to kind of get as much out of it as yeah, you can look, I, and mix it up like a washing machine. It's short, and I, it I, is. I think of all the things I wanted to do, and now I think of the time that's left. I think, Joe, you've missed out. Well, and as I'm an atheist, that's it. Mum's passing really bore that home for me. I just kind so of went, what, you know, what year, you six years her. ago was it when Mum died? Yeah, was it? it was. So yeah. what, you were expecting it, obviously. She was in hospice. No, right? no, what happened? No, no, no. So I was in Paris celebrating my 40th birthday. You went, uh, let's get go back one step. Yep. You went to Paris mm. to celebrate your 40th birthday. Why not? Birthday. Life's short. Did I couldn't the, really afford it, uh, but I did, did it. Did, did, did you go with somebody else? Uh, three of my best friends went right. with me, which is pretty amazing. That and is I amazing. have friends yeah. in Oslo and Paris as well. You, you, so. didn't, you didn't have to pay for them. No, no, they paid of their own volition. I yeah. said to them, I'm going to Paris for my 40th. Who oh, wants to come? Right. Two of okay. my best mates said, yep, we're so in. And I also had spent a bit of time in Paris and Europe, so I've got mates over there anyway. All right, so you turned 40, yeah. you're going to Paris. Yeah. You're to Paris. Yeah. What airline did you book? Oh, God, I can't even remember. God's not going to help you. She's not around today. Such, no, she's not. Um, might have been, I really honestly can't remember. Why am I asking remember. this? Why am I asking this? Did, did you, you do the Australian did thing did and take Qantas or? No no, no. no, no, no. I always mix up my airlines. It's wherever it's cheapest. Wherever it's cheapest. So I remember stopping in Dubai, so it must have been Etihad or something so, like that. So how many days before your birthday did you arrive in Paris? Well, I went to Mykonos first. Oh, and gave as myself. you do, as you do on your way to Paris. Well, it was also. As you, did you have octopus on the sand? Pretty much I did. Yes. It was amazing. Yes. Um, I also had squirreled away a whole bunch of money because it was almost my it was my long service leave for mm. being a publicist at right. the same time. So I went, I'm going to double and celebrate. On, let's go back another step. You said you're yep. a publicist. Yes. When did that happen? Yeah, well, after Channel 31, oh. and then I became a publicist oh, for, for, for a whole Triple bunch R. of bands. Oh, no, bands. Yeah, bands. bands. So music publicist. That's music what I've been doing now right. for the last 
15 years. So I think that's what been. got you the money to go to Paris? Yes, exactly. You're actually managing companies. Oh, bands that were successful? All in, no, they weren't successful. I just worked <laughs> damn hard. Um, all, right. all independent bands right. and right. events. It's all right. We're flying like to Paris. So right. we're flying to Paris, gone to Mykonos, on, went on. to Berlin, went to Oslo, went to Paris at last, the end. Yeah. And then England to visit my sister who was right. living there as well. So, so Mykonos, Mykonos Berlin, Berlin, Oslo, Oslo, Paris. Tell us about Oslo. Beautiful country. My God, beautiful city. I, know, I have to go back there. Mm. I bought a, I ran a record label for mm. a little while, mm. stupidly. And um, one of my best mates is an Oslo Norwegian um, musician and I put his album out mm. and have toured him quite a few times in Australia. So I vowed to go and visit him. Right. So right. Oslo wasn't really on my radar, but mm. because I'm what really friends. What month I went in, well, that was August into September. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. So, yeah, it wasn't Peak minus 20 time. degrees. Yeah. All right. It was beautiful. Oslo's the most beautiful. Right. Oslo reminds me of Hobart. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is. Yeah, disgustingly yeah. boring, but that's another story. I've been to Oslo. You didn't find the good bits. I had a really good oh, time I found there. a lot of good bits there. Did well, you? look. I was ingrained with the arts. I think I think I think I think you'd have more luck than I would. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're a much more uh, outgoing, attractive, interesting person. You know? <laughs> so you'd have a lot of luck, I reckon. So get, going back, so you arrive. How did you get back to Paris? Did you go by train or did you fly in? Um, I think I got. I flew in. You I flew, flew in to right. Paris. And Charles then I got de Gaulle train. Airport. The door yep. opens. Yep. Are your yep. friends waiting? They came with me because we yeah, hung right, out in okay. Berlin. It was a bit of one of those trips where I picked up people from each different city Excuse that I went me. to, if you don't mind. <laughs> Best mates. No, right. Just picking okay. up people. Um, so you said, oh, look, I'm, I'm turning for you and we're going to Paris. Would you like I to do, come with me? I do, because it's, my, I just, it's one of those cities that really resonate with me. It is. It's something yeah. really beautiful no, I, I, just want, I, just, I, just, I just want to capture well, this Well, I fell moment. in love. Because obviously this is wonderful. Yeah, I, it was a moment. And yeah. there was a reason I went to Paris, because I've always been very enamoured by Paris, but I'd mm. been there twice before. Mm. I was lucky enough to have been mm. there twice before. The first time I arrived at Charles de Gaulle, I actually started bawling. Mm. I just, it was that moment of, oh my God, I'm finally here. Mm. And that was 2005 because I didn't travel till what, when I was younger. younger. I no. missed all of that because I was yeah. sort of busy working and building a career mm. and, mm. you know, pinging from one place to the yeah, other like right. you do on a pinball machine. Yes. Um, so I was a late sort of late to traveling. But um, when I picked it up, I picked it up with vigor because I love traveling. I think you meet some really amazing people and see things outside of your sphere that you would never yeah. see. A friend of mine calls it stretching one's eyeballs, and it is stretching, well, one's, stretching eyeballs. one's eyeballs. So let's Great. get back to your birthday. So, yeah, it was my birthday in Paris. We had a ball. and then did I it, did it, no, Hang on, hang on, hang on, yeah. hang on. We want to get intimate here. This, sure. is, this, is, this is radical radio. Sure. So... It's your 40th birthday. Mm. Was it a three-star Michelin restaurant or was it a hamburgers down the road? What was it? it was what such, did you do? It was such a mix because I have friends in Paris and I'd actually spent a lot of t- twice mm. been there before and I'd actually lived in Paris for a month with a mate of mine who's a French musician mm-hmm. and his partner. And um, so we sort of hung out with Dimi and that sort of crew from Paris and they had been to Australia and toured here about hang five on, times on. as well. I'm interested in the day. So the actual day itself, well, I will tell you, my best friend is quite phenomenal in that she, um, I still can't believe it because when I arrived at the hotel again, I started bawling. Mm. She put us up at, as a present to myself, at a really swanky mm. hotel, which I would never in the world have been able to afford. Four, yeah. So the three, four of us actually landed in Paris and went to that hotel first and we stayed there and it was the... 
Hotel Next to the Opera, I can't remember mm-hmm. what it's called, but it was Swankalicious. It was ridiculous. One of those ones you will rock up and I there's... Like that, you, you like know, that Swankalicious? It's like in the movies where it's yeah. all red velvet and yeah, those yeah, little um, yeah. porters are out the front taking your baggage Bags, with those big brass yeah. band, yeah. Um, you know, luggage right. containers. Yeah, right. It was surreal. It wasn't part so of my so world. What happened that it was incredible. Evening? What happened? Was there a cake? Was there a when meal? we arrived, it was like, you know, like when you watch a movie and all of a yeah. sudden all this shit just comes to you. It's like, this is how the other Half other people the live. Top, the 1% like, is. Exactly, the one, exactly. The so we had little, is. you know, profiteroles and gorgeous things as we arrived in a fruit yeah. bowl with yeah. the welcome and happy yeah. 40th. And I was like, holy hell, this is just, wow, okay. I would have been happy with an apple, but that's <laughs> great. So pinching myself, realising what a moment that was. So juxtaposition that with the next night where we just stayed at a, you know, dirty old... Um, yeah. You know, Fancy suburban. Or. Yeah, exactly. In um, downtown, um, you know, um, Overkamp. Yeah, which like is like that. the yeah. kind of artsy, ritzy, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. district, not the ritzy. Bit. So you had, you had, you had so a we had memorable fortieth. That's all I want to say. Beautiful, memorable, gorgeous. Well, so I'm on a high, and the next I thing. People, I say to people, you turn forty, you turn fifty, you turn sixty. You need to do. Was, yeah, you it was need a milestone. To do start. It is a milestone. Yeah, yeah. Because so you do, you do change in that decade. You definitely do. And you really want to. Well, the fact that it sort of coincided with what I called my long service leave as well, because I worked damn hard mm. to get enough so money in Paris, to get over there. And, and then you heard what your mother was sick. Well, you? then I went to England mm. with, to visit my, my sister, sister yeah. and that was the last part of my tour, and we got yeah. a phone call, and the phone call said, um, Mum's got terminal cancer. Right, right. Um, so it was kind of like, you know when you rip the needle off the record? Yes, it's like, yes. right. And yeah. It's just like three weeks of just this incredible adventure to celebrate my 40th with my best mates and, mm. you know, living it up and having an amazing time the next yes, minute. Yes. It brought down yeah. the worth. Yeah. yeah. Very, very much. So, and then from it was September right through to the 20th of December, she passed away in that right. very short time. Right. Because she had multiple cancers. Mm. Um, but when I left her in September, she was fine. She was fine. So it really got her quick. Right. And, and you said that that's when you reassessed everything. What oh, absolutely. What, why? I think you just realise your own mortality uh, when someone really close leaves the planet. Um, and it's just a nice time to sort of um, look at yourself internally and think, how can I actually be a better person? And that's, I myself have that um, equation of mortality and just what can I do to the planet because I'm not here for a very long time. How can I make humankind a bit better? How can I lead by example? You know, it's, it's a daggy phrase, but it's something that really resonates with me. It's like choose kindness and it just is something mm. that I would hope I would hope that most people aspire to. We can't always achieve it. I know that. So, I know so myself caught, I don't achieve it. No, but you, you caught a different train. I did, yeah. And where, did that, where has that led you? Uh, so then all of a sudden I decided to do Food is Free, which is this incredible excuse thing. Me, excuse food me. Food is free. Food is free. I want to get, <laughs> no, no, I want to get back. That's fine then. Yeah. You decided to go back to Ballarat. That's the first? I did, you yeah. Did. And what, yeah. did you rent, buy, what? I've rent, God. Rent. I'll never be able to afford to buy. Right, so you so went, went back to Ballarat? Yeah, I've got chickens in the backyard. Mm. I did the whole yeah. tree change thing. I yeah. did the whole, I'm going to be an urban farmer. I'm oh. going to be... Was, was that difficult? Grow my own leading, leading this... Uh, no. Quite exciting life that you were I'd had enough. You had enough. Oh, I love Melbourne, but my yes. God, it's so busy, and I just needed to turn the volume down right. of life. And it had, you know, we just have squeezed every yeah. last bit out of the marrow. I'd yeah. had enough, and had enough. I miss it, but I'm I'm smug because I'm just down the highway, so I can come and enjoy mm. its, you know, spoils. Down the freeway. 
Yeah. It's still a three-way. Yeah, it is. It's still hectic. Not, not a tollway. No. You can do it in... You can. You can do it in 62 minutes. Oh, you'd be flying because no, the traffic's so full on these days. It takes no, about no. almost an hour and 40 minutes compared to the old days of an hour 10. I don't know where you're going. Maybe I'm a slow driver. My sister says I'm a slow driver. I think you are. You can do it in 62 minutes. It, yeah. Ballarat to the west gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah definitely, definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I love Ballarat. So, so, so what did your friends think when you did this? I'm sure some of them thought I was mad. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, you know, some of them question, why are you moving out of town? What's going uh, on? Uh, I'm just like, mm-hmm. I'm at that life stage where I don't go out so much as what I used to. When you work in the music industry too, you're out every single night. Mm-hmm. That can be quite repetitive and it loses its gloss after a while. Yeah. So so you got to Ballarat and you thought to yourself, now what can I do? Well, I just sort of reassessed how I was living my life in Melbourne, right, which was right. terrible. Like, What do you mean terrible? What's wrong with takeaway food? And oh, dreadful. That's exactly <laughs> what I was doing. Joe, that's exactly what I was doing. I was actually just existing. I don't yeah. think I was living properly. And, mm. you know, I certainly wasn't eating healthy. And right. I was, you know, I was a heavy smoker. I drank a hell of a lot. And I was under a sort of running you know, your own business, I think, just put too much pressure on myself uh, I know too. What it's like. oh, and it's I went, now disgusting. I'm too old. I don't have yeah. to prove myself to anyone. I've done no. 15 years of, you know, yeah. achieving what I want to do and mm. um, just turn that volume down a bit. So that's you're, what I do. you're a loose end. What did you decide to do? Well... Mum was a really avid gardener and so was Dad, but um, I just decided to grow my own veggies. Right. And me being me got a bit obsessive and then had a whole backyard. I've got a really big backyard. Right. It's like a double block. What, full of vegetables? Full of it. What a thing. Like I grew what? too much and I live oh, like by what? myself. Oh, everything. Beans. Oh, at the moment it's just bustling. It's like you got all your pumpkins, your chilies, your... Um, kale's coming in, the whole backyard, all the tomatoes. I've got something like 40 tomato plants in my backyard. 40? Yeah, no, I do, 40. don't think do you make your own salsa? I actually grow, well, I'm not good with pickling sasa. or sa- salsa. Sasa. Sasa. No, salsa. Sasa. We call mm. it sasa. Wow. What's sata? In tomato which? sauce, that's Yeah, but in which? Italian. Yeah. Italian. Mm. I thought Sasa. it was passata. Well, that's, it depends that's on what region. Italian. That's yeah, what I was exactly. defining. Where are you from? Now well, I'm interviewing well. you. <laughs> Is that a southern thing? Right. Yeah, southern Got it. Sugu. Right. Sugu. Right. Are we talking Sicily? South or just? Yeah. What part of South? Tu parli italiano? Oh, no, very badly. I don't speak but Italian. I'm, I'm Bali Italiana. Oh, I've got Chiva di Amo and that's all I've got for you. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> oh, I've got no Italian. Andi, Andi. Yeah, yeah. So you've got all these I'm vegetables. I'm catching up with a Sicilian tonight, actually. Oh, yeah. I am. I will Is mention it? that to her. Yeah. Ah, sasa e sugo. Sasa? E okay. sugo. E sugo. So, yeah, this is why I don't speak languages. Yeah. So... <laughs> You've got all these vegetables. Yeah. So what, did you just chuck them in the bin or something? Well, no, this is the point. Food security, I sort of started reading about... Because I started reading all the gardening magazines right. and really getting into, you know, growing your own produce, I started finding all this stuff on the internet. It was phenomenal. It was like this thing what? called food security. And I was really? like, what's, what's, food, food security? What's, what's food security? So this is, it's a bit of a daggy term again, yeah. but it's like they call them food deserts. So right. what it is, is if you're in a metro or city, and right. particularly in places like America... Mm-hmm. There is no not as not enough fresh produce per capita. Mm. Instead, there's takeaway food shops, so people yeah. get diabetes and all That's sorts right. of horrendous illnesses because they're so not. So you're talking nutri- about if, if 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 a city closes down, four yep. days would be eating each other. Exactly. That syndrome. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So because mm. I grew too much, I started reading about this food security mm. thing, mm. and I was like, "That's really cool. It's mm. sharing. That's mm. I'm really sharing. enjoy that." 
building the community. Look ah. at you, look at you with wincing. I love it. So social, it's about social cohesion. It's about, um, so what I decided to do, because I'd read about this food is free yes. thing in America, started by a guy right. called John in Austin, Texas. Mm. And another really cool thing, which you hopefully will understand and get, guerrilla gardening, mm. taking over space that no, no, doesn't belong no, to you, greenifying it and just yeah, making it a community oh, space. It's terrible. It's terrible. You know, I making private space into public space, especially this year's private space, making it public. That's disgusting. <laughs> I mean, people like you should be shocked. I should be. He's now, now, get, I can see that. Yeah, get, I wasn't. I mean it. Private property. Sorry, call me a communist. Other people have. I just call myself the no, crazy veggie you, lady. You're not a communist. I'm just the you're crazy not, veggie. I'm sure you're not a communist. No, no, you're I'm an not. anarchist, okay? Yeah, oh, no. Right. You're not a communist. I, I am, sure. because you know what it That's is, right. Joe? It's green yeah. anarchy. That's right. That's what I tell people. It is. It actually it is. is green anarchy. Because anarchy is not about exchange. No. Nope. It's not about profitability. Yep. It's about giving and taking. Correct. And, well, I'm an what you, and what you've done, you tell us exactly what you've done. So beside my home, there mm. is now a food security platform. Why? What is a food security platform? Just explain a whole to people. whole bunch of boxes and right. cool kind of um, mm. platforms that are built out of repurposed pallets and all sorts of shit. Right. Paint it up. looks really cool. Mm. looks inviting mm. in my laneway beside mm. my home. So beside my home, there's a whole disused piece of road mm. that no one really uses. Right. So I decided to very illegally take over that space mm. and that's why I always say it's green anarchy. Mm. But the council don't own the land so they no. couldn't stop me. Exactly. So I just thought I'm just going to repurpose this space and I'm going to leave all my food that I grow in surplus so all mm. the tomatoes go right. up there. Right. And then some people within about a month started leaving produce as well. We have 100 people come up the laneway some days. It's some days. hectic. It's hectic. It's yeah, really hectic. You need some traffic lights. <laughs> Someone actually said that once. Oh, you should block off the lane. I went, no, that's not the point. You can't do that. Right. Just you. It's a piece of land. That so, so it's taking off, do you think? Oh, it's been amazing. Mm. Like three years now we've been um, running this, this, as mm. I said, you know, mm. Me leaving produce out and growing food as well. But mm. what we do is educate people on how to be self-sufficient. Yep. So it's not just it's that thing of, you know, you just mm. put a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. You actually empower people by educating them on how they can go re- and do you, it. You realise there's nothing new in what you're doing. No, I know. No, it's not a new concept e- at e- all. Ever heard of the Collingwood Three Store? No. At 42 Smith Street across the road from here, you walk cool. down to hairdresser now. In 7172, that was oh. the Collingwood three stores. They were the first people in Australia to have free legal aid. Love people it. used to bring in things mm. and they'd take things Brilliant. and bring in things. It was, it was an exchange. It wasn't... It's uh, very cool. That was a kind of three store, which was an anarchist initiative yeah, cool. which was uh, done in Melbourne in 71, 72. So. Everything good happened. So what you're doing, what you're doing is just following a oh. long tradition. Do you know what? what it goes share? back further. It, you yeah, know, Italians That's right. are the best at sharing produce over mm. the fence, aren't they? You know that yeah, yourself. Yeah. As and long as they're the not northerners, you know, there is, there is a limit. <laughs> <laughs> Those bloody northerners. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to Italy. I've only spent time in the north, but I'm dying to go to the south because a friend in Sicily keeps insisting I go over. Well, you should. When you go to the south, you'll realise that. Uh, speak to little Joe outside. He's, he's a freak as far as Sicily is concerned. <laughs> I, yeah, I've known Joe for years. You know, yeah. I used to work with him in an organisation which oh. we did traineeships in arts, media, and entertainment. I've known him since. He used to lecture at Swinburne. Early nineties. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, did. He, he did. did. Yeah, Small yeah. world. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, he didn't educate you, and you didn't get a piece of paper. <laughs> so, how, how do you survive? How do you survive? 
Oh, I mean, it's hard, you, you know, know, you've got to pay the rent, and, yeah, this, is a, and this is free exchange. You're not charging anything. Well, I have 40 volunteers now who help mm, me. That's right. a hell of a lot of people because I was doing a bit too much, and I right. did, wasn't putting food on my own plate. So it's hard to juggle the volunteer work plus my day job, yes. and plus I've got a life. What's your day job? I'm a music publicist. That was still that doing publicity. What does that mean? So it means doing events and doing, um, you know, sending out press releases to radio stations like this mm. to get airplay mm. for bands. So I could, I could All hi- independent I bands. I could hire you for something. You could. I may Absolutely. do that. We'll have a private conversation Done. after. I've got an idea in my head. Done. Done. As long oh, as it's radical like- and fun. Oh, I'd imagine it fun. will be. It'll be fun. I've always you. gravitated towards indie community, so that's I represent community indie bands basically. And so events. What's, a, what's an in, look? Most of our independent. Yeah, most yeah. of our listeners are very indie. old to the Sorry, and, yeah. you know the radical Australia. So yeah. an independent. Band. No commercial shit, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, not right. signed or contracted to any large distribution or production company. She's a bloody Correct. musician. You can tell, can't you? <laughs> you should. You should take on Dale. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'll do a for a. Of, I'll tell you what I'll do for a, a Christmas you, present. I'll, I'll put in some money next year, and, and you can look after her. How's that, Dale? The unfortunate, oh, right. the unfortunate circumstances, and I know Dale and understand this, is that a lot of musicians don't have money, but nor do publicists. So we're all in the <laughs> same bucket. You so when money. you ask me how do I, um, you know, no. do these things like food security stuff, I do mm. it because I love it. Have you got any plans for the future? A million. Tell us two. Food security, what I really want to do is um, get well beyond the platform of our laneway, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. would now give me given land across the road at an oval by right. the city of Ballarat, right. which is actually phenomenal, yeah, to grow food on mass. Conservative Council, you've done I know, work. yeah, no, they're actually quite green now. They're yeah, good. They've got a couple yeah. of good eggs in there and um, great mm-hmm. Greens member mm-hmm. who's been very instrumental in looking mm-hmm. after food is free and securing its future. But we now have an oval space that we are going to f- grow food on mass with marginalised right. at-risk people to right. take home themselves. Mm-hmm. and or leave in the laneway for other leave people to come way. past. Mm-hmm. I want to see food is free in prisons where they've got food is free veggie patches, where mm-hmm. they're growing food to then be taken to women's shelters right. so people in women's shelters can actually mm-hmm. feed mm-hmm. them and themselves mm-hmm. and their children. Mm-hmm. I have dreams of seeing um, food is free in hospitals, in um, doctor's mm-hmm. waiting rooms, all sorts of places. Mm-hmm. I want to spread the food is free out into schools and Educate, you know, that generation who's probably losing mm. a few practical of those. Practical anarchy. You're a very dangerous woman. Lily. I am, and I this also don't spray, anarchy. so it's very permaculturally yeah, based. So I'm incredibly right. dangerous. Yeah, ex- no, nah, forget about the spray. I'm a freak. You are, I'm a green you, you, anarchist. You are very dangerous. I know that. Look, Sorry. Lou, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. I wish you all the best, and hopefully, you'll have another. You'll have a fiftieth birthday party somewhere nice. That would be lovely. It would be. And um, look, if I'm around and I'm rich, and f- I'll... Come join me. I'll join you in Paris. Sure. Yeah. We'll go to Sicily. <laughs> go somewhere different. <laughs> go to Iceland. <laughs> On? Been there. Have you? Mm. Yeah. I'll go anywhere, You'll honestly. you go anywhere? Really? <laughs> I would be happy anywhere. I'll go to Hobart. you go Hobart? Sure. Oh, you're desperate. <laughs> Let's do it. Go to Hobart. I was um, actually looking for accommodation in Hobart over Christmas, and I thought, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. <laughs> so I'm going to the desert instead. In so that's an amazing place, and you know it. Uh, 
Thank you for having me on the air. No, no, it was a pleasure. And it's if you know anybody honor. else who you think we should talk to, I'm happy to talk to anybody about anything. I know a lot know. of freaks, interesting well, freaks. Well, so I can hook you up. Is, is, is there a website or something people can yeah, find out Food is Free Laneway is probably the best port of call. And What's we're it, on what Facebook. What is it slowly? slowly? Food is Free Laneway, right. Ballarat. Mm-hmm. And it's on Facebook. We've got 14,000 followers. Right. So we're pretty active there. If you want mm. to f- learn tips on how to grow your own, be self sufficient. Mm. And um, grow seasonally. Mm. Have check you know inter- internet savvy. Is there any, any way people can contact you? Sure. PO box one yep. R. One R. One R. It's a weird one. I know. One yeah. R. R for radical. Yeah. Um, Redan. That's spelled R E D A N. Right. Vic three three five zero. So Redan is a suburb of Ballarat. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's so wonderful. PO box one R. Lou, I wish you all the best in life. I think you'll do very well, and having people like you on the planet is one of the wonders of being alive. So thank you for coming in, and thank you for speaking to us, and thank you for uh, answering our impertinent questions. (laughs) All the best. My pleasure. Thank you. the body 